Welcome to Money Isn't Scary, a podcast for women to explore our fears around money and inspire each other to be financially empowered. I'm Megan Dwyer, and I'm making it my personal mission to remove the taboo around money and help women rewrite their stories so they can stop staying small and begin to live life on their terms. In this show, we get real and uncomfortable as we unpack our beliefs, thoughts, and behaviors that aren't serving us anymore. I can't wait for you to join me on this journey. So let's dive in. Hello, you guys. Welcome to the Money Isn't Scary podcast. I'm your host, Megan Dwyer. To continue my motherhood theme this month, today I'm sharing my conversation with Dina Farish, founder of the Mindful Mom Revolution. Dina's incredible. She's just so relatable and honest and real, and she has so much wisdom that shines through when she speaks. Because she tells it like it is, right? She says what we're all thinking as moms, but may not feel comfortable enough to actually say out loud. You guys are going to absolutely love her. So here's a little bit more about Dina. Dina Farish is the founder of the Mindful Mom Revolution. As a national speaker, coach, and author, she empowers moms to seek out what helps them feel fulfilled in motherhood. Through daily mindfulness practices, inner work, and unapologetic self-care, Dina helps moms emerge into the light and enjoyable moments in their motherhood journey. And in our conversation today, we talk about why mothers need to be leaders, not just supporters, the power of our thoughts in our everyday lives, and creating our own personal fulfillment, leaning into fun, and what does that actually look like for us, right? The importance of slowing down so we can be more intentional with our lives and actually be in alignment with our truth, and so much more. You guys can find Dina personally on Facebook at Dina Farish, and that's D-E-N-A-F-A-R-A-S-H, and you can find her on Instagram at The Mindful Mom Revolution. You can also check out her website, dinafarish.com. And I'm going to put all the links to this in the show notes as well. Okay, you guys, without further ado, here is my conversation with the lovely Dina Farish. Enjoy. Hi, Dina. Welcome to the Money Isn't Scary podcast. Thanks so much for being here today. Thanks so much for having me, Megan. I'm excited to to talk to you today. I am too. I think this is going to be a really cool conversation. Let's just dive into it. So I'd love to have you start by telling everybody a little bit about yourself and the work that you do. My name is Dina Farish, and I have been in the online space for about 10 years working with moms. The name of my business is the Mindful Mom Revolution, and the work that I do is all about teaching moms how to get in touch with the thoughts that they are thinking so that they can be more present and home enjoy their life as a mom and also live to create their dreams. I believe very strongly that if a mother wants to help support her child's dreams, she needs to be willing to lead by example and work towards fulfilling her own dreams first. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. I love that. And we get so caught up in it sometimes too. We get so caught up in like projecting, I think onto our kids, what we want. And then we forget about doing it ourselves. It's about, I think a lot of times people think motherhood is about playing a supportive role and they forget that they're in there too. And when we forget that we're in here too, that we matter, our hopes and dreams still matter and still have a place in the midst of motherhood, then we lose ourselves. And that's when motherhood feels overwhelming and unenjoyable and all encompassing. And I am just kind of a rule breaker. And I just think, why does it have to be that way? Yeah. 
So tell us your story. Obviously you have a drive to have done this, right? So I want to hear how you started to go through this kind of shift in mindset on your own and what caused you to want to do this for other people. Sure. The truth of the matter is my story, this part, this leg of my story begins when I absolutely lost my mind. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. (laughs) I had two kids who were very close in age and I had a husband who was out of the house working full time. I had a very small business at the time, which was very fulfilling. I ran a stroller fitness program for moms. So in many ways it hit many boxes for me. It got me out of the house. It gave me purpose. It gave me connection and community with other women, which was very, very important. However, when my class was over, I would come back home and I would just get sucked down into the momness of it all is what I called it, which was Mm -hmm. just sitting on the couch, nursing the babies, changing diapers all day long, and really just counting the seconds until my husband came home from work. So I could just pass the kids along to him and have a moment to be with myself and by myself. And the problem I had experienced was that I never really fully developed this sense of self in my early 20s before I had kids. So when I had these quiet moments with myself, I didn't know who I was. I just knew that I didn't like the way that my life felt. And I didn't like who I was being in many of these moments that felt pressed and squeezed with emotion. So one day my husband was coming home and it was one of those moments where I was absolutely counting down the nanosecond, counting the diapers for the day, just so I could run to the supermarket and have a moment to myself. And he walked in the door and I said, Mike, I'm out of here. I'm going to the supermarket. And he said, sorry, I'm meeting my buddy at the gym. And he hopped, without, without thinking twice, he hopped in the shower and I was left still holding two crying babies at the time. And I went into full panic mode and I ran outside into my backyard and I'm kind of like spiraling into this place of panic. And I just said to myself, I feel terrible and I don't want to live in a life that feels terrible anymore. And really, I heard this message that was just like God saying, Dina, you've got to chill. And I was like, cool, God, but that's not really working for me right now. Yeah, what does that mean? (laughs) Right, exactly. And I was reminded about meditation and bringing meditation into my life. And so in that moment, I made a deal with myself because I just was sick and tired of not recognizing the beauty and the grace that I had in my life. And so I made a deal with myself and I said, okay, I'm going to meditate again to see if it makes a difference, but I have to make it practical for my life as a mom. The last thing I wanted to do is give myself one more thing to do. So I told myself I will meditate for 30 days, five minutes a day. That felt really manageable and achievable for me. And I was really big into setting myself up for success because I was dead set on not feeling worse about who I was and how I was behaving in this world. And so I started meditating nightly. How? For five like, a, like a like guided meditations or what are you doing? How are you actually doing this? Yeah, I did a mix of both. Honestly, at like the beginning, I went, I went to, I just went to YouTube and typed in five minute meditations. And what I found there is that not all these meditations resonated with me. And mm-hmm. I did have a background in meditation for, from a previous time in my life where meditation had saved my life. And I had forgotten. And so I just kind of went on this quest for knowledge about what meditation was, how how I could really apply it in my life as a mom. And so I started down this journey of meditating every day for 30 days and making it super practical and digestible for me. And within a few weeks, I recognized that I was slowly but surely starting to feel a lot better in who I was 
and in my life as a mom and more so for me in my identity. I had lost so much of myself in these yes. transitions through motherhood. And I was sick of feeling like I didn't know myself. And I was sick of feeling like crap all the time because I knew that I was a positive person and I knew that I was here to, to share, to share with people, right. And to create community similar to what I had was already doing with my stroller fitness program. But I knew that there were many components that were broken inside of me that wasn't allowing me to show up in a way that felt good. And so what meditation did for me, the greatest gift was that it gave me this awareness of my thoughts. And when I recognized how certain thoughts would lead to certain actions, when my children needed me, then I, then I knew when to shift. So for an example, if I was washing the dishes and I was replaying an argument I had with my parents earlier in the day, and one of my little babies came over to me with a need, I would snap at them because yeah. I was already emotionally charged and driven up. And so, so much of my time in my early motherhood was spent with the, in these unconscious thoughts. And I didn't recognize the emotional states I was putting myself in. And so no wonder I couldn't be the mother that I wanted to be or the partner that I wanted to be, or even the best version of myself that I wanted to be. I would just suck down these emotional rabbit holes all the time, not feeling great and not recognizing that these thoughts were impacting how I was creating the world around me. So... I'm actually getting emotional and <laughs> I can feel myself having like a, like a visceral reaction to what you're saying, because it hits so close to home. I think you are speaking a universal example for every mother out there. Right. And it's so funny, you know, this, I, I can feel that feeling you were talking about when you said, you know, your husband came home and he was like, no, I'm actually doing something else. You have to do this because all you've wanted, you've been building this up in your head all day. All you want is that break. And right. I felt, I feel that I know exactly what you're talking about. It's so interesting. Cause when I do that and I say, Hey, I need a break. I don't even know what I'm doing when I'm taking that break. And I think I'm starting to learn through kind of my own self-discovery and self-awareness and all the work that I'm doing. I'm starting to learn a little bit more about myself and what kind of actually fills my cup. But especially during those times when I had like tiny little babies and it was, you just didn't, it, it was all encompassing your energy. You just gave so much of yourself to, and you didn't really get much in return. Right. It was, those days were so hard you know, it's so easy to just be like, okay, I need a break, but what do I do? You know, I'll go to target and I'll walk around or I only have two hours. So I can't like, you know, that's a very limited time. I need to make the most of it. So it almost like feels this additional pressure, but how do you make the most of that, of that time? And I think honestly, you kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think we have to have some more awareness around ourselves first to even know how to get fulfillment out of that time and how to also get fulfillment rest of the day when we're not getting that proverbial break. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly it. I mean, I was so focused on the physical break that I forgot that I couldn't actually escape from myself. I couldn't escape from my thoughts. I couldn't escape from the emotional down spiral they were taking me to. I just knew I wanted to get out. But I didn't know what that meant because the reality was the thought process loop that I was stuck in was making me a prisoner to my own self anyway. And so it wasn't until I was able to step back and say, well, that's an interesting thought. Is that 
is that of service to me right now? Is that going to help me feel better in my life right now that I could make small shifts? I'll share with you one thing real quickly because it came to mind. I remember being in the shower once, right? And I was in the shower. We had somewhere to go with our two little kids at the time. My husband was watching TV or doing what husbands do. And I was sitting in the shower and I was just going over the list of all the things that I had to do. I had to pack the diapers. I had to get the snacks. I had to get the kids changed. And I remember looking down at myself and I was like, Dina, you are in the shower. You can get none of these things done right now. But my mind thought that it was helping me by programming and patterning and telling me and going over my to-do list. But emotionally, I was just getting overwhelmed and I was getting agitated. And when I looked down with the water dripping on my body, I was like, this is ridiculous. This is ridiculous. I am putting myself constantly in these states of doing and being when I can't even physically achieve them. And I'm not feeling well in moments where I should just be taking a shower or focusing on myself and my and my breath in those moments. Right. Why not take advantage of it there? And so I had to slow down that monkey mind so that I could really become more in touch with myself and be in my body and understand who I was being and who I was creating for myself and my family. Yeah. So two things come to mind for me from that story, right? The first thing is the impact on your nervous system when you literally can't even relax in the shower for five minutes. Right. And I do the exact same thing. And I realize how tightly wound I am and how this really, like you talk about cortisol and like all these like hormones that, that kind of create like this feeling of stress and anxiety and just, just a blah feeling inside your body. Well, like, yeah, I get that. I, I live that that's, that's my life. And I do feel like to an extent, my nervous system is like always in fight or flight, like always. Right. And um, I had this conversation with my husband not that long ago. Like we both are struggle to relax. Like we're not taught how to relax. We think that relaxing is like the way culture tells us it is like, oh, go on a vacation and have your pina colada or, you know, enjoy the the glass of wine or the, or the whatever, watch Netflix or whatever. But it's like, no, your mind's still constantly going while all that's happening. Right. And it's almost like it makes it worse. So you said something about this feeling of kind of like being a prisoner, like in your own head. Right. And that triggered this I, the concept in my mind of freedom. And that's what I talk about that. Cause I, I talk a lot on the show about how, when it comes to money and spending and things like that, it's never about the thing, the goal, the item, whatever it is, it's about the feeling underneath it, the feeling that that thing brings. Right. So when I talk about like, whatever it is, like, I want to have, like, we want this the the new job we want the ideal whatever situation what, like whatever the goal is right for you what is that feeling behind it and and I've realized for me that feeling is freedom and to take that a step further I kept thinking like oh well wow I'm a prisoner I'm a prisoner to my clients to my kids like I never get a time to just do what I want to do on my terms right But to take that a step further, just this week, I started really thinking a lot about how like, maybe that's all in my head. Maybe that feeling of freedom or that feeling of not having freedom is me in my head, like my thoughts and the way I kind of project out onto the world, how I actually feel like maybe I feel that way. So if I kind of flip the script a little bit and I want to get your thoughts definitely on this kind of concept, I think 
maybe I do have more freedom than I realize. And you did too, right? That was probably very, like, once you recognized how powerful your thoughts are, how those are kind of keeping you from feeling the way you want to feel, then it all changes a little bit, right? Absolutely. So it's so interesting that you bring this up because one of the biggest struggles I had prior to this this place where I started to become more aware of my thoughts and how they were contributing to how I was acting I was constantly thinking about my early 20s, my late teens, early 20s. I was in a really bad state, very distracted. And my emotional my emotional capacity was all about disassociating. So it was drugs, it was boys, it was distractions, kind of all the ways that we are taught, quote unquote, how to relax as an right. adult. Right. It's really about disassociating. And so when I would think about my life as a new mom with these two babies, I would constantly refer back to my late teens, early 20s when I had this perceived sense of freedom. And I would sit there with myself and I would kind of romanticize all of these terrible things that I used to do in my life and all this trouble I really got into because in my mind, it meant I could do whatever I wanted. I could pack a suitcase and go somewhere. I could distract myself by going on another date or by doing some drugs and going out for the night and any of those things. And so I had to have a really hard conversation with myself when I recognized that I was constantly living in this past because the truth was I didn't feel good about my life then either. I didn't actually know who I was and wanted to do then. I may have had some vision and some destiny. However, I didn't have a clear connection. And I really, it wasn't a time in my life where that I really enjoyed. However, when I lost it or when it felt like I lost that opportunity to be more free, right? And to have this ability to distract myself with nonsense, I craved it and I yearned for it. And I was so caught in this cycle and this loop of, reaching for something that I didn't even like when I had it. And it was only to help myself feel better momentarily. I think to address your question, you're absolutely right. When we realize that our life as a woman as and a mom particularly is about creating our own personal fulfillment, then we can set boundaries that allow us to feel more free. And one of the best things that we can do for ourselves, and I know so many women struggle with this, is lean into having fun. And ask ourselves, what does fun look like for me? I realized not so long ago that fun for me sometimes is just leaving the kids at home on a Friday night and going to the roller rink and just going around the roller, the rollerblading for an hour and just having a great time. I feel free then. I feel like I'm flying. And so when we understand that our ability to feel fulfilled and accomplished and free comes in the way we set boundaries for ourselves and the way we work as a team in our homes to make sure that everybody's needs are being met, then we can have that little by little. Yeah. It's so interesting. I love what you just said, because I said this recently, I was like at, I I was telling somebody the story that I bumped into an old friend of mine, like guy from like a group of friends that I used to hang out with in our twenties. And, you know, we used to go out to the bars and whatever, and just have fun. And he has kids about the same age, lives in our town. I bumped into him at like a soccer field one day and I was like, oh my God, like what happened to me? Like, I'm not fun anymore. And it started and he's like, yeah, well, I mean, eventually we'll get fun again. It's just the stage of life, right? But it's something that has always sort of stuck with me. And I realized like maybe what I thought was my definition of fun at the time and what, you know, again, society's definition of fun based on like what you were just saying, kind of these like, 
you know, distracting ourselves with nonsense. Maybe there's something beneath that. Like there's something more that's that I was like really craving, right? Maybe it was the social interaction. Maybe it was just the like doing something different than I usually do. Like there's different aspects to that that made that fun for me that I can recreate. But I think that's what's missing for me is that like we're so we're expected to be so responsible <laughs> all the time and to do exactly what we're what society tells us to do. We go work our nine to five during the day. Once the kids come home from school, we become responsible parents. And you're just on this kind of like rat race treadmill kind of thing. And you can't you, we don't take the time to intentionally hop off and actually like ask ourselves what we like to do and then just go do it. Right. I think so many times we feel like as an adult, you have to give yourself permission to do these things. Yeah. And so I wonder if we just all change the narrative instead of saying, I have to do A, B, and C so that I can get my reward. We just make fun part of our normal schedule and our normal routine. Yeah. That's such a mindset shift, right? Because I'm so used to like, during the day, when I talk about how I feel like I don't have freedom, because I'm like, oh, well, I have all these, I have all these emails I have to check and I have you know, all my clients and my kids and everybody needs me and stuff. But it's like, actually, I do have freedom. Like I could just put on my calendar that I'm going to be at a yoga class from 12 to one on a Wednesday and just go. I mean, that is freedom, right? I mean, I, nobody's telling me I can't, right? And if that's what I want to do, I can do that. But it's up to me to actually create those boundaries and do it. And I think the fact that I struggle with creating boundaries is a whole other lesson around myself, right? It's that lesson of like, maybe not feeling like I am worthy enough to be able to take those breaks or that I just don't deserve them kind of thing. Like, and I, th those thoughts cross my mind sometimes like, well, you know, maybe I'm not doing the best job that I think I should be doing right now. So I need to sit here and I need to make sure that I like make up for it kind of thing. I think that's a lot of moms as well. Like we tend to restrict ourselves similar to like the diet mentality, right? It's like, and, and I see it in, in, on the money side with like budgeting, like, okay, well, I've been bad. So now I need to restrict and go the complete opposite end. But like, when is enough enough? Like, when are we just like good enough just as we are and the way we are, right? Like, <laughs> that's something that I always think about. <laughs> it's a system of rewards and punishments that we've been so akin to because most of us grew up in that way. However, I look at my kids now and they can't wait to be an adult. And why aren't I taking advantage of what they think adulthood is, which is, yeah. which is the ability to choose for yourself. Fundamentally, I think where women get it wrong, so to speak, is that they, they don't understand uh, their values, right? I, I think on a fundamental level, women don't understand what they actually value. Mm -hmm. And then they don't know how to prioritize things to make sure that they're living lives by their values. You know, I work in the motherhood space. And the, the thing I hear probably the most from women is I need more balance, I need more balance. And what I always say is balance is not a thing. You can't define what balance is. It's completely subjective. And it's not something that lives inside of us. It's this outside ideal that keeps us yearning for something that we can't even tell ourselves what it is. We can't even define, right? And so life feels better when you live it not based on balance, but you live it based on your priorities. And then you give yourself permission to let your priorities shift 
day to day, moment to moment. And this is just a small example, but I can tell you with certainty, my priorities are different on a Monday than they are on a Friday. For example, on Friday afternoon, I'm not doing the dishes, not doing the dishes, right? Monday through Thursday, even Friday morning, I'm doing the dishes because those days I value having a clean, concise kitchen that I can work with in. But my values come Friday, or my priorities, I'm sorry, come Friday, shifts a little bit. My priorities on Friday is it's the end of the week. We want to relax. We're going to take it easy. We're probably going to get pizza for the night. And so my priorities on Friday are about fun and relaxing and not having to check everything off my list to make sure that I've told myself I'm a good person or a good mother for that day. Yeah. And I think the the priorities in alignment with values is so important. I talk about that all the time, especially when it comes to spending, right? And for moms in particular, you know, we have this, we struggle. We, you just said it. We, we don't necessarily know what our values are. So I actually have like a values exercise, like a sheet that I've, I've given to people before that I did uh, many years ago. And I think it's really cool. And it's important to do constantly. Like, I feel like it's important to always to like, cause my values now with two kids are very different than it was five years ago. Right. When I maybe had one baby. And so, yeah, I mean, you start with like a big list of values and you circle what you like, and then you narrow it down and then you figure out those top, like three or five things. And you realize if that is what actually is important to you and you're not living those values or living, doing something that kind of aligns with those values on a daily basis. Like, of course, like it makes sense why you would be like, so burnt out and having the meltdowns and and like losing yourself, losing your identity and who you are. And it's important to be intentional. It's so important to be intentional about what it, what it is that we want. And to be honest, fun is a value and it is for me. And I realized how much that has just kind of taken a back seat in my life. Right. And I think that is again, one of the reasons why I can, like, we all get, we get so, caught up and get disgruntled and you know, resentful and all that stuff. I mean, and I can see it in your story too. Like the, the resentment probably that you felt when your husband was like, no, I'm going to the gym. And you're like, wait a minute, wait, <laughs> how come you get to do that? And I can't. Right. And we all feel that. I feel it a lot with my husband too. Like it's, and, and you realize like resentment is actually just a, it's a cue. It's a trigger. It's like a, it's like a flag telling you what needs to be healed. Absolutely. And I think when it just to circle back to values real quickly, I think people are really misaligned with what they think values actually are. So for example, people think they value getting brand new cars and driving around with that and driving around with that because as a status symbol, however, maybe a new car, maybe the real value is safety and security that you have reliable transportation all the time, right? And that comes down to this this feeling, this need of making sure that you're going to be able to get your children or yourself from where where you are to where you need to be, right? But that value isn't materialism. That value is security. That value is movement, right? That value is getting yourself from place to place. And so a lot of times I think even when people think about values, I'll use a clean house as an example. If it's something that you can do, it's not a value. Right. And so I think what people were where the misstep is with many people is the clean house isn't the value. The sense of peace and calm is the value. Yes. And so we have to be able to circle everything back to this emotional state like yours. You said yours is freedom. Right. And so if you ask yourself with every question, with every question or, or 
or fork in the road where you go to, is this going to help bring me a more of a sense of freedom? If the answer is no, well then don't do it, right? right? Something like a new car. If you're going to get a new car and the payment is through the roof, is that going to bring you closer to your sense of freedom? Or is it going to make you feel like, no, you can't miss a day of work or you can't take that hour for your yoga class because what happens with your job and then how will you afford the new car? That's not freedom. That's entrapment. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, again, it all goes, it's not the thing. It's not the car. It's the feeling underneath it. Right. It's it's the feeling. And that is something that I think we don't, as a culture, we weren't taught that we're just taught that it's the thing we're taught that it's the, it's, it's the physical object and that we should be focusing on, you know, the more, the more money, the more fame, the more, you know, success, all of that. And then you kind of get to this place, I think somewhere around middle age and you realize like, Oh wait, all those things that I thought that I wanted was actually somebody else telling me that I wanted that. And it's actually not what I really want. And so what do I really want? Right. And then you have this kind of like, you know, that's where like the, the quote unquote midlife crisis is, but that's where I think, I don't think it's a midlife crisis. I think this is like where we're finally mature enough to be able to do the real work to get there, right? We're finally recognizing that what we thought we wanted, what we thought was important, what we thought we valued is not actually, and what do we actually value, right? And then we can kind of start over from there. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you, one of my biggest hangups was for a very long time. I grew up in an upper upper middle class suburban neighborhood. My mother's house was a very nice size. And then I wound up marrying a man who was a working class guy. And now I live in a very working class neighborhood. And so for me, one of the things I heard time and time again growing up was that the true test of success, the true meaning of success is being able to outperform your parents in some way. And so I struggled for a very long time and I still do sometimes with the size of my house because it's, it didn't outperform the house that I grew up in. And so when I focused so much on the material, the size of my house, I missed the fact that I have so much more now as an adult than I did as a kid. I have a happy, successful relationship. I get to raise children in a in a stable home with stable parents. I didn't have that. I just had the big house and I had the name brand cars, the luxury brand cars. Now I live in this smaller house and I drive a very unsexy minivan, right? And I I had a complete identity shift and a meltdown when that happens. I really, it sunk me into a depression. If I'm being honest, it sounds so silly that the material, instead of being grateful for the fact that I had a reliable, safe car, I was upset that I was driving a minivan and not an Acura. Right. And so one day I had an ex-boyfriend from college call me and he said, hey, Dina, I'm in your area. Can I stop by for dinner? And I said to my husband, I was like, hey, this guy wants to come by. Do you mind? My husband didn't care. And I wound up telling him, no, you can't come over for dinner. And my husband asked me, he knew right away. He said, is it because of the house? And I was almost embarrassed to share with him because I didn't want him to feel badly about it. But if I really uncovered where it was coming from, then yes, because he knew me in this upper middle class house, right, yeah. which was not, had nothing to do with me, but my parents. And I was feeling all these states of shame and not enoughness because on a material level, my house and my car didn't match up to that person that I was playing in, in my late teens and early 20s. I think we all do that to an extent. I mean, I feel like we all have some material aspect of our personalities, right? That we are, we identify as the person that had this or the person that didn't have this, right? 
and we play a role to certain people in our kind of past lives, regardless of who we are now, right? I think we all do that. And I love that you were able to have the self-awareness to see that, right? And to start like that and to start kind of digging into that. Like, what is that? What is that belief underneath it all that made you feel embarrassed or inadequate for not having what you thought somebody else should have? Like, who knows what this guy, like, that's the thing. Like, you don't know what he's where he's living right now or what he's doing in his life. And you don't know what he's even thinking, but we feel like we have to, portray a certain kind of person. I say this to my husband all the time. I'm like, you know, you're playing a role. Like you're playing, especially for like old friends, like high school friends and college friends. It's like, and everybody is. If you look at like, even like group texts, I find this so fascinating. Like everybody sort of plays a role within the group text, within the the group dynamic. And it just, it's so interesting to me. Like, okay, is that really you? Or is that who you think these people think you are right because they knew you 20 years ago <laughs> yeah it's so true what I realized for myself though and it's contributed to me not feeling good is that I was associating shame based on things based on material right, right. and then because of that I was missing out on all of the beauty that I do have in my life because yes. I felt embarrassed by the size of my house I wasn't willing to brag about the fact that I have married a great man and we have a stable home. And so when it came down to it, I was missing out on what really mattered. And I was leveling myself up and my willingness to invite people into my home and into my life based on things. And that circles back to the mindfulness that we just, that we talked about and, and gratitude and recognizing like, yeah, I do have everything that I need right now. I have more than enough and I am more than enough. And I think that underlying, like I am more than enough is, is the biggest part of it because we don't often feel myself. I'm not, I'm speaking for myself more than I'm speaking for anybody else. Um, I don't feel like I am, I, I deserve to have these things or that I am good enough. And that's just kind of the story I think that I've always had with me my whole life and probably so many other women as well. And when we finally believe it, that we are enough, that we are good enough, then like everything else kind of doesn't really matter anymore. Right? Like it doesn't matter what car you drive or what house you live in, or the family next door goes on this fancy vacation and you don't like who cares at the end of the day, right? I have everything I need right here. Yeah, we've just been conditioned to think so differently otherwise. And in today's world where everything is about instant gratification and instant validation, and if it's going to make a good picture for Instagram, then we're constantly in these comparison cycles. One of my favorite quotes ever is comparison is the thief of joy. And it truly is. It sucks the joy out of everything because if I didn't get enough likes on my brand new car, then is it good enough? Right. But I will share the minivan for me was a huge adjustment. And it's so silly because it was tied to this nonsense sense of materialism within myself. But I had a complete breakdown and meltdown when I, when I, bought a minivan. I was nine months pregnant with my third child crying in the car dealership saying, I don't want to be a mom, right? I don't want to drive a minivan. And the the poor guy I was buying the car from is looking at me with this huge belly and sees my other two toddlers running around. And he was like, Dina, 
I think you are a mom. And I was like, <laughs> you know, I was so, I was so torn. Right. But I had this ideal of what driving a minivan meant. And really at the end of the day, all it means is that I have a car large enough to support my family and take us around and to take us on road trips and things like that. However, I had associated all of this meaning, this nonsensical meaning to material and it was, and it caused chaos for me. It really did. Yeah. Yeah. And you're not alone. Interestingly, I feel like you, we see less and less minivans. I mean, I have a very good friend that drives a minivan. She has five kids, so it's a whole different, like they need it, but you see less minivans and more of those big, like suburbans and like the Yukons those like big, big cars. I'm like, how do you park those things? I have no idea, <laughs> but that's, I feel like a trend, like, like that's things are shifting a little bit in the culture there because so many people are probably just like you and think, oh my gosh, I don't want to be that minivan family. Right. Um, so I must have to have some kind of other, you know, more trendy car that, that, um, I feel better driving. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, we do get so caught up in the material stuff. And I think that's, that's the whole, the whole point of the, the podcast is that I I'm trying to, and I recognize that I'm doing it. I do it myself, but I, we try to put meaning onto things, right. Whether it's a physical thing or it's like, numbers or, um, you know, like you just said, followers or, you know, like podcast downloads or whatever it is. Like we try to put, we try to put meaning to these things because I feel like the invisible stuff isn't good enough, right. In our minds, cause we can't see it. And we're trained to have the tangible when actually the invisible stuff is all that matters. That's all that's there. That's all that really matters. But we struggle as a culture to see it, right? Like it's 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 just so fascinating to me. I love how you highlighted the invisible versus tangible because it truly is. You can have all of the tangible material wealth in the world and really just be a miserable, very unhappy, depressed person. And so at the end of the day, what did that nice car and that beautiful house got get you? I could easily go pay $600, $700 a month for a new car, a new Suburban. My dream car is a Denali. My name's Dina. So my dream for years has been to get a Denali, scrape off the LI and drive around in a custom Dina. I've Love told it. myself this story since I was a teenager, right? So 20 plus years. But the truth of the matter is that doesn't align with my values. My value for my family is being able to send my kids to private school that I pay out of pocket for. Mm -hmm. So I could have very easily gotten that car and put my money there, or I, or I could have, and what I was forced to do really by purchasing the minivan was ask myself, well, what do I, re what do I really value? And where is my money better spent in relation to what I actually value? Yeah. That's the thing. I feel like again, values-based spending, as I, as I like to say, intention and like intentional spending. And, um, we forget because we get so caught up in the comparison and the keeping up with the Joneses and all that stuff. And you are not like, I'd like to think that there's people out there that are immune to that. And maybe there is, maybe, you know, the Dalai Lama or mother Teresa or somebody out there is, but 99% of people still get caught up in it. So it's okay. But I think it's what's important is to catch ourselves. And again, that's where the meditation and the mindfulness and the slowing down and hopping off the treadmill for a hot second is so important. And um, we don't recognize, I don't think we put enough, at least recognition into that slowing down process. How do you work with your clients on this? Like, how do you, how do you have them start to implement that into their days in order to 
start to live more in alignment with what they want. You just said the magic word because the work I do with my clients truly is about alignment. And in many ways, the work I do is to help women step into this place where they are taking their calling, their this place of service outside of their home and creating businesses around it. However, that comes from being really aware of the feedback that we're giving ourselves all the time. And so I work with people to make mindfulness a practical part of their lives. I had a spiritual teacher years and years ago and my older two were one and two years old. And she said, Dina, you just need to sit in meditation every day for two hours. And I hung up on her because I said, that's so impractical in my life. It's going to make me feel like a failure all the time. Yeah. Right. And so I'm never going to be able to achieve that level of success that you're telling me I have to obtain. And that's why when I started my own regular daily meditation practice, I made it super achievable and attainable. It's not about meditating for two hours a day. I knew that I could carve out five minutes a day realistically. I knew that I could give myself five minutes a day. And so I started with what I knew I could achieve. It's like going to the gym and never being in the gym before wanting to lose weight. You can't say I've never worked out a day in my life and then commit mentally to going five days a week. You're setting yourself up for failure. So alignment for me really is about small practical steps that help you feel successful, that help you live in accordance to your values and creating this place of boundaries so that you can prioritize what actually matters to you and not the would, shoulds and coulds of what is supposed to matter to you. And I think what's important here is doing this in a way that um, you don't feel like you have to be perfect because so many of us are recovering perfectionists, myself included. And I feel like every time I've tried to start a meditation practice, I go too strong. I start like gung ho and I'm like, I'm going to do this every single day at this exact, I'm going to get up at five in the morning and do it. And it's just like, that's unrealistic. Like I've got little kids I've got that are, if I get up at five, they're up at five, five. 40 or 530 right after me. And it's like, what's the point? And I also try to do too much. I try to think morning routine. Oh my gosh. Cause that's a big thing, right? Morning routine. Let me exercise. Let me journal. Let me do meditate. Let me do all these things in this very short period of time. And it overwhelms me. So I think starting small and starting in whatever capacity you can fitting it into your day somehow, like it doesn't have to be first thing in the morning, right? I can do it after I drop off the kids at school, or I could do it in between meetings or something at work, right? Like it it doesn't, it's however it works for you. Yeah. We get really excited about bettering ourselves. And we think that means everything at once. And then we get, and it's cyclical because then we feel terrible when we didn't achieve it. And what over time we get addicted to these patterns of saying, I'm going to do it and get really excited about it. And then you overwhelm yourself and you're not a success at it. And then you feel terrible about yourself. And it's this pattern that repeats time and time and time again, until you have the wherewithal to say, this isn't working for me. It doesn't feel good. One of the things I say all the time is that it feels like crap to feel like crap. And so what are the small, small changes we can make, the small ways we can implement small successes in our lives so that we can live a life that feels better inside? Yeah, yeah. And it's, and that's so customized and so personal, right? And and I think, you know, sometimes you do need like somebody like you, like a coach in order to be like, to hold you accountable for that. And see, okay, well, how does it actually fit into your day? And to help you recognize that it's not about the can'ts or the 
I don't have the time or the kind of, what am I trying to say? Like the negative sort of spiral, I think it's about, okay, well I can, and how can I, how can I do this? If this is something that I want, I can find five minutes. It doesn't matter. Right. It's not that important, but I think we can, you know, we, we, we cut ourselves off at the knees and we literally limit ourselves and what we can do because we tell ourselves in our head that we can't do it or, you know, but I think deep down it's because maybe we're not ready for it or we're not, we don't, you know, it intimidates us to an extent, but we got to move through that. We got to move through all that fear. Yeah. I think a lot of times it's that people actually don't have a sense of what their priorities, their true priorities are. And so they think it's about just filling the plate with everything instead of taking those small digestible plates to live in alignment with your truth, right? Which is separate than your parents' truth, which is separate than your friend's truth, which is separate than your partner's truth in many cases. But it's about, it really, and this, it's funny because this has been the theme of our discussion. It's values and priorities and living from that place and just saying, as long as I feel good within myself, then none of the other stuff matters. Yeah. Yeah. And again, I think what's important is to recognize what those values and priorities are today, not what those values and priorities were yesterday or a month ago or two years ago, because they're changing constantly. So we need this like constant check-in with ourselves to be like, who am I today? Because I'm a different person than I was, you know, last, last night or yesterday. Right. So who am I today and how today, and that's why it's so important to do this consistently right? It's a daily thing, a daily practice, because you can only do what feels good for you in this moment, not what might have felt good to you, you know, two months ago or whatever it is. So yeah, this is, um, this is so cool. This has been such a fun conversation. Thank you so much. Uh, Before we wrap up, I'd love to have you tell everybody how they can follow you and how they can learn more about you. Sure. Uh, I encourage everybody to find me personally on Facebook at Dina Farish. You are welcome to follow along on Instagram. I'm at the Mindful Mom Revolution. My website is dinafarish.com. And I am always open to being in community with ambitious, bold women who are willing to give themselves permission to be different versions of themselves and lean into that a little bit more every day. I love it. I love it. You're awesome. This has been such a fun conversation. I'm such a fan of yours. And um, I hope we can do this again soon and we'll definitely connect thanks so much Megan it's been my pleasure thank you